Now, um, 30-odd years ago, George Miller appeared with a landmark Australian film. Still a curious one. Uh, If you've not seen Mad Max, it's a very strange film. Um, It's a very ascetic, dark, and I must admit the first time I saw it, I was expecting endless car chases, and it's actually quite a, a stoic, bleak film as almost not much happens for large parts. Um, but it is a brilliant film, uh, and it's also quite a unique one. It's it's kind of one of those films that sets the Australian cinematic language with its uh, use of the famous Broken Hill locations and the desert and the red dust and this very sort of bleak post-apocalyptic Australia, which is still being tapped today. Last year's The Rover was very good, an underrated film. And he probably reached the apex with the Mad Max trilogy with two which was very relatable to this new reboot, Fury Road, which was basically a film as a very long chase. And it worked surprisingly well. And George Miller is actually a very strong director when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, The franchise sort of, well, it's commercially successful, but the third film I thought was awful. Um, It was the one with Tina Turner, and it had run out of steam. And that was the end of Mad Max. But the legacy of it did continue. It's a very iconic idea, an iconic sort of cinematic language, uh, the idea of Max. Obviously, it didn't hurt that Mel Gibson would become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. So finally, it had to happen. George Miller, who has had some enormous success, particularly with something like Happy Feet, hundreds of millions of dollars, in box office returns for those films. Uh, The first of which was good, the second was awful, the second Happy Feet film was just terrible. And now he's returned with Mad Max Fury Road. He's cast Tom Hardy as Max, taking over from Mel Gibson. And in this one, Max is actually rather worryingly picked up at the start of the film in this apocalyptic landscape and used as a blood bank for a sick denizen of this uh, outpost, which is ruled by a warlord. And um, one of his soldiers is very sick, and he, he basically plugs Tom Hardy into him as a bl- continual blood transfusion. Um, pretty near the start of the movie, Charlize Theron's character is transporting the warlord's f- five or six wives, uh, the breeding stock as they're called, to another part of their empire and along the way she diverts off course and it becomes very obvious that she's stealing them or freeing them as it becomes apparent uh, which involves this entire movie more than any I've seen perhaps since Mad Max 2 of really consisting of one long chase sequence Um, and I thought it was brilliant I really didn't expect it to be as good as I thought I expected it to be Um, a little bit more hammering you over the head and simplistic Um, what we get in fact is actually quite a wide range of motivations amongst the characters Um, you get to see a really really good performance by Nicholas Holt who's made a very big name for himself in a number of American films particularly as the Beast in the X-Men movies Uh, and he plays uh, the Six Soldier who just wants to go to Valhalla he wants to die on the battlefield instead of dying from his illness um, and he carts Tom Hardy strapped to his car across the desert as they chase down Charlie's Theron in this big wagon train of trucks and, and bizarrely armoured vehicles. The things I loved about it was it had more narrative heft than I expected. 
I did find myself interested in the warlord's motivations, which aren't as cut and dried as they'd normally be, uh, into the Nicholas Holt character as a soldier who has really been brainwashed his whole life and is actually a, a thoroughly good human being underneath and one devastated by the fact that he's not going to have this Valhalla death. He's probably going to waste away into nothing. And Charlie Theron's excellent as the leader of this sort of troop going through the desert. Um, the one real curio, and a lot of people have said uh, in this film that Charlie Theron is a star, and Tom Hardy, who's a brilliant actor, um, he's come to prominence as a, as a critical actor in films like Bronson, uh, where he was brilliant. But he's also been brilliant in lots of films. He's been excellent in everything from Insomnia, uh, lots of big budget films. He was Bane, of course, in The Dark Knight. And people are saying that he isn't very good in this. I don't think that's fair. I think what would be fairer to say is you could remove his character from, bizarrely, a Mad Max film and still have exactly the same film. There's no point to his character being in this movie. There's no narrative attached to him. He's sort of there. Um, so I don't think it's that Tom Hardy's necessarily not as good as Charlize Theron, but Charlize Theron's story is is like the heart and soul of the movie. She's got so much more interesting stuff to happen to her, whereas he's kind of just there. Um, the landscape is amazing. Like the way he shoots Australia, uh, even though it was, I think, outside Cape Town in South Africa after Broken Hill burst into bloom and they couldn't film there anymore. Um, but the landscape is stunning. There's a, a sequence early on where a dust storm hits them, which it looks several miles high in the atmosphere. Um, and it's one of the most artistic blockbusters I've seen. The, the visuals aren't just big explosions, but they look stunning. Everything looks stunning. The vehicles are just insane. Um, the stunts are incredible. And just the look of the cinematography is brilliant. I really hope this gets a nod for an Oscar for uh, cinematography, at least a nomination. Charlize is great in it. She plays a stoic character that's got legs to burn, and and you would imagine if they do come back for a sequel that she will be front and centre. Tom Hardy, as I said, is so thinly written that I don't think you'd miss him if he didn't come back, but it's looking like the franchise, if it happens, will be based around him. Um, the, the whole chase sequence is very imaginative, it involves lots of twists and turns and lots of different people they encounter in this uh, almost Star Wars desert um, that they're travelling through, a very, very bleak dystopian future, which is, is what you would expect, but I didn't expect the level of artistry and I didn't expect uh, the level of narrative interest amongst the characters as well. Um, so. And by the way, it's supposed to have made over $330 million. It's not even close to being guaranteed for a sequel. Apparently, that's around the cost of it after marketing, which is the most expensive Australian production in history by miles. And even though it's made more money than any other Australian film in history at this stage, as far as I'm aware, it's still not guaranteed of a sequel. But anyway, as far as a thoughtful, intelligent and breathtakingly visual kinetic blockbuster i'm going to give mad max fury road eight and a half out of ten uh this is miles davis with a certain john coltrane playing live in new york uh with a show tune from what was the film 